0: Welcome into the latest edition of Strictly Stripes. Muhammad Ahmad joined by Andrew Gillis and Mike Nislik. Make sure you sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider CFI. 14-day free trial. You will not be charged until the end of that trial. It's $4.99 a month. Signing up is easier than sliced bread. Just go to cleveland.com slash bangles. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Better yet, you can send a text to area code 513-949-4147. So couple more days till game day, three and three Bengals, three and three Falcons. I think as I've kind of thought about this some more, you know, obviously the Falcons are three and three on paper. But this definitely, you know, and this is an easy part of the schedule that I think we all kind of agreed on in the last couple of days. But the Falcons won't be difficult, but I think they'll be a little bit harder than maybe I kind of thought about entering this week. What do you think?
1: Yeah. So the thing with the Falcons to me is that they are... I don't know if they're good um, because I, I just – look, Mar- Marcus Mariota has been, you know, successful in the way that he's just kind of hung around the league and, you know, been good enough to hang around for, for starts like that. I just don't know how good of an offense they are. I, I, you know, the the issue that I would be concerned about if I were the Bengals would be stopping the run. Um, you know, we kind of talked the other day about the defensive line injuries. Um, you know, we got some injury updates today. But, like, I, to me – that can and that is how games can kind of spiral from your control because you know Zach Taylor mentioned this basically like, look you got to score on your possessions against these type of teams because if they don't like you go down ten nothing going down ten nothing to the Atlanta Falcons or the Baltimore Ravens or the the Cleveland Browns like that is a lot different than going down 10 to nothing to a team that throws the ball a lot or a team that, you know, maybe mixes it a little bit better. When you have a team that runs the ball as successfully as the Falcons do, that can cause a problem. So to me, like, I, it's not a trap game. Like the Bengals should win this. They have a better quarterback. I think they have a better offense. You know, the, the Falcons are not very good at defending the pass. I think that that is where the Bengals can kind of take advantage, but you know, I, I think it's, this game is really going to start with defending the run, uh, and I don't know if if the Falcons really have enough horses to keep up like that. If the you know if the Bengals can score, I just don't think Marcus Mariota can keep them in the game.
2: Well, on paper, the Bengals, uh, the Bengals should be kind of licking their chops, especially Joe Burrow and some of those receivers. I mean, offensively, uh, defensively, the Falcons are giving up 280 passing yards a game uh, are not getting to the quarterback. I mean, Grady Jarrett has 3.5 sacks, but um, they're only getting to the quarterback three three percent of their dropbacks. I mean, they're not not creating a lot of pressure. They're terrible on. Third downs. I mean, if you go up 14 nothing, you get a, you get kind of a double-digit lead. I think this one you can kind of put away. Other teams haven't, um, but the Bengals are are built, I think, to sort of uh, play well against a team like this, where you can pass uh, pass often, um, and, and you know maybe try to create some of those explosive plays that have been kind of uh, lacking in recent weeks. I know they've been talking a lot about the run uh, run pass options that were successful against the Saints. I think it's a favorable matchup. Sure, you know, on paper. Falcons uh you know have run the ball well this season are very effective and they have a pretty deep rotation in terms of backs with uh, Cordell Patterson who's basically a special teams player before this and uh, is on pace to have career numbers uh the rookie out of BYU uh was it Alger Ty Algier yeah Ty Algier um is having a very good season and then Mariota they've kind of built their offense around making him sort of effective in the run game as well but um I don't know. I, I just feel like this one's is, is for the Bengals to lose. I, I, they're going to be at home uh, as well for the first time, you know, and it feels like, you know, six weeks. Even Since I, Nam. Yeah, I know. I think it's, it's <laughs> only been a couple, but – um, it feels like a favorable matchup no matter what way you kind of kind of shake it
0: yeah I'm glad you mentioned the RPOs we'll focus a lot on the offense later this week but no Mariota I think what's so interesting and Zach Taylor kind of talked about this like that's somebody he's been watching since Mariota was a superstar at Oregon we all know what he did there you know and he ended up being second second overall pick and he had a good run in Tennessee and then things just kind of spiraled and you know you kind of felt for him when he was a backup with uh, Oakland now Las Vegas but I think it's just so interesting almost seven eight years into his career he's really having a resurgence I mean he's you know he leads the team in like running yards per average like I can't even speak today my throat's all over the place with this weather in Cincinnati yards per carry he leads the team 4.8 yards per carry so almost five I mean you know, as long as rush has been 23 yards, so it it is going to be a challenge, and I mean, you know, you mentioned the news with Tupo and Wilson, you know, I think it's interesting with Wilson, I know they said there's no rush, at least Taylor said there's no rush uh, getting Wilson back on the field, but he is day-to-day, so I probably won't see him Sunday, but nonetheless, I mean, you never know, there's always that slim possibility, but Yeah, that is really going to be a challenge, I think, and it just makes you really, really miss someone like DJ Reader, and of course more so Josh Dupo. But yeah, you really miss those guys in a matchup like that, and I think you know, like you said, Michael, it is the Bengals' games to lose, but. I just hope that with the way the Falcons run it, if the Bengals don't shoot themselves in the foot, then that hopefully that doesn't mean the Falcons keep pace, especially with the way that they've been running the ball. Third best rushing offense in the league over 160 yards per game.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, the Bengals dodged a bullet with Cordero Patterson being on IR. I mean, he's obviously not going to be eligible to come back. So they're still going to run the ball with, with Huntley and Algier. So to me, um, you know, those are the two guys you've really got to focus on because I don't know how much the Falcons are really going to rely on on Mariota I think in the last 3 games off the top of my head I think it was it went 13 of 14 against the uh, against the 49ers last week the week before it was something like 14 of 25 and the week before that he was 7 of 19 so they really don't put a lot on his plate um, now, obviously, part of that is—I mean, it's not the ball's going out of his hands. The part of it is he's going to run the ball too. Uh, but they're—but they're not going to put the—you the, know—they're not going to put a ton on Mariota, which is why I think you know we talk so much about slow starts and how they kind of killed this team, the Bengals. That is, I think that is one of the reasons why the, the slow starts kind of got to be rectified this week because if you can make Mar- Mar- Marcus Mariota try and beat you. I mean, that's a recipe for success. Don't get me wrong. Like, I think Drake London's very, very good. I think Kyle Pitts is very, very good, and I don't know why they don't use him as much as they do. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He he gets, like – like, I was was looking at this earlier, and, like, it's, like, 2.6 – like targets per game, which for Kyle Pitts is ridiculous. Kyle Pitts is a unicorn. You need to be throwing them. Whoa, whoa you need a be- unicorn?
0: I, where, where's his little unicorn horn? I haven't seen it. <laughs> you need um, to, am I blind?
1: You need to be throwing that guy the ball like six, seven, eight times a game at least. Um, I, I do like where the Falcons are headed long term. I just, I don't think it's going to be this season. No. Uh, with Ridley suspended and with, with the receivers they have, I like it. I like the long term outlook. You know, maybe you get a quarterback in there. I just I, I can't see a way that the Bengals lose this game unless they shoot they themselves get, in the foot. No, it's, it, it's not even that. It's that if the Falcons can run the ball, that is how I think this game gets away from them. So, I mean, if you if you stop the run, uh, you have Ty Algier and Caleb Huntley, like I mentioned. Those are the two guys you've got to be focused on stopping. And, and if you do that, I just I, I, I question how effective the Falcons can be.
0: I think, too, you know, the the, the thing that will help the Bengals, and this is especially if it's the likely case that there's no Logan Wilson, I think where uh, Lou Anaruma said they struggled in the first half against the Saints was on those big runs. They couldn't get to those those B gaps, which a lot of that, you know, obviously goes back to not having Tupo and Reader. But I think with the way they have Jermaine Pratt, Akeem davis uh even though they are better known for their pass coverage. I could still see them filling in those B gaps to prevent those big explosive runs from Marriott or Algier or whoever. But, man, I'm so glad you mentioned Pitts. I mean, I've been watching this guy since he was in college because, you know, when I was in college, I covered Kentucky, and Florida came to Lexington in 2019. And I think at least that specific season against Kentucky had one of his best games. And I remember watching with my partner at the time, and I looked at her and said, This guy is not normal. Like, this guy is a tight end who plays like a wide receiver, but he could block like a lineman. Like, there's a reason why I think he went fifth overall, you know, in the NFL draft. And so, fourth overall, yeah, there you go. Uh, Fourth overall in the draft. So, I mean, just... Elite elite player. Well, yeah, I mean that one was, of the best at his position. That was the
1: reason why Jamin Davis was a first round pick, because one of those years I, I forget I covered what covered him one, too. He, one of those years he played really, really well against Kyle Pitts, and that was kind of the mold for for lo- making Jamin Davis a first round pick. He hasn't really worked out in Washington, but kyle pitts is such a freak that it was one of those players he's one of those players where if you can remotely slow him down people look at you like you have some like extraterrestrial quality and that was what jamon davis had so i'm curious to see how they kind of manage that because with kyle pitts kyle pitts like we said he's calling him a tight end is almost a disservice to tight ends I, I agree because I do. like he lines up like they're not afraid to line him up out wide in a trip set if he's on the trip side or if he's on the single side they're not afraid to line him up in the slot out wide like they will move him all over the offense so to me with kyle pitts i'm very interested to see like does trey flowers follow him like we saw a lot of trey flowers in that baltimore game and we'll probably see a lot a lot more of him yeah like do they do that do they treat him like a receiver i don't know like is there a is there a safety shade We'll have to see. I I, I like Drake London, too. I think Drake London is going to be a good player in this league for a pretty long time. So they've got weapons on the outside, like I mentioned with the quarterback. I just don't know how effective they can be. But they've got interesting weapons. I don't know if I would call their offense good, but I would call it interesting.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say, too, we probably won't see this happen, but... Could we possibly see the Cincinnati kid,
1: Desmond Ritter? No, unless, unless Mariota gets hurt. Absolutely not. Like, we, we are what, what we're about to be in week seven. Yeah. you un, Like, the Falcons are three and three. Like, they are in an NFC South battle because who knows what's going on in Tampa Bay right now. Just with all the off-the-field stuff, with all the injuries they've got, it's just it's kind of a mess. The, the Panthers are obviously a disaster of epic proportions, and we get to see that firsthand in two weeks. Then <laughs> you've got the Saints who are two and four, and the Falcons are three and three. So this the, the Falcons are right there in the divisional lead, and you you just don't turn to a rookie like that unless Marcus Mariota is being helped off the field. So. That's just like Zach Taylor said today, like there is not really a situation or a circumstance, especially in this one where you prepare for a backup. Now, maybe if Mariota was dealing with a pulled hamstring and a pulled something or this or that or the other, maybe you prepare a little bit more for Ritter. But unless something goes catastrophically wrong for, for Mariota and his health or, I mean, he throws like five interceptions in the first half, pulls like a Nathan Peterman. He is absolutely not getting yanked,
0: you know. That definitely makes sense. And I was thinking more so of like, you know, do they kind of kind of like play him as a wildcat or something along that line? Because obviously he's a good no, I mean, running if player. If you're going to play
1: the wildcat, Mariota's your guy. Right. Like, but I don't even know why. But, you, but, yeah.
0: but do you also maybe try to put in Ritter in there to make it interesting? Not that Mariota's not the guy. He absolutely is.
2: I mean, he hasn't played all season in that way. I mean, right. I don't think he has a single touch. So I wouldn't imagine that they'd sort of... I don't know. They've, they've, like you said, they're three and three. I think if they would be mixing it up if they were one and five, but that makes uh, sense. even then I'm not even like, like
1: this. This feels like a like like I, I think it's I think it's kind of similar. Now I think this is a conversation for Tennessee later in the year. Absolutely. When we get there, we, you know, maybe if Tennessee's fallen out of it or if the offense just needs to start, maybe you oh, can go yes. to Malik Willis. But uh, to me, with like I, I, they don't play Washington this year, but like a Sam How, like you don't go to those guys until you are flushing the season and people that do podcasts for those teams are like hey i wonder who the quarterback is at kentucky i wonder who the quarterback is at ohio state like that uh, unless you're doing that you don't you don't turn to those guys this early like oh, it, it has absolutely. to be a ba- it has to be bad
0: oh yeah no no doubt about that Since we're kind of talking about coverage, uh, you know, I think we'll definitely see a lot of uh, Trey Flowers, like you mentioned, especially to help with that that coverage on the side of Pitts and whatnot, particularly with No. Logan Wilson, which could be the case. Again, to emphasize, not for sure, but could be the case with Eli Apple. I'll kind of want your take on this. I think overall, he did he did okay. I say this cautiously. He did it okay against the Saints, but like when you get burned by Rashid Shahid, who's the undrafted rookie that was off the practice squad on like a 44-yard run, and you tr- get tripped up with Marquez Calloway at the very end of the game where Dax Hill pretty much came to the rescue with his Superman cape and Swada I mean, I don't know, like, does he get burned by Cordero Patterson? Does he get burned by somebody? Like, I don't know. This It's something I really thought about as far as like, Eli Apple's not terrible. This is not a vindication against him, but... Do we kind of see a repeat of maybe some of those plays where he did almost or did get burned last week?
1: I, well, I mean, first off, so patter—I mean, Patterson can't play. Like Patterson's still on IR. Oh, that's, that's um, right. But, uh, I can't so think I, today. I, I know with, with London and Pitts. That's right. Um, the the thing to me is that Eli Apple. I, I think he's played well, and I think with Cheeto on the other side, to me that it just—it's one of those things where you kind of live and die with with what corners are sometimes. And I, I don't know, I don't think he played that bad against New Orleans. No, um, not at all. I think
0: yeah, he was fine, but uh, just there's moments like that where I was kind of like wondering. Mm, well the sweep
2: also wasn't on his coverage. Cheeto had the man coming across and right. just didn't catch him, and there were like you know four, three or four guys that missed the tackle in that play. So I don't think that's on him. I think coverage-wise, um, I mean in this game specifically, you worry more about how the safeties hold up against the run rather than the corners. Right. Uh, do they get do they bite? Because I mean they're going to have that responsibility with uh, pits. Do you you know when you see run, um, you got to be very careful because you know pits can get loose um, if you're biting too much on the fakes and on those RPOs and things like that. I think this is a game where, you know, uh, Lou talked about how um, Jesse Bates has kind of had a quiet season um, and kind of plays come in bunches, and this would be a game maybe where he's more involved, where he's going to have to be uh, more stout in the, in the run coverage in, in particular. Um, you know, you know, you got uh, Von Bell as well, who's played well. Uh, we've seen him make some Very really well. big plays in the secondary, but, you know, how do they hold up against the run? I think those are th- that's going to be more in focus as opposed to the corners, which are, are not going to be put in a situation necessarily where they have to... To sort of make plays uh, again, you know, maybe against Mariota, you know, on those run-pass options. But other than that, it's going to be on the defensive line, safeties, kind of in the middle of the field. Um, Those, that's where you're going to feel the stress, uh, I think, on Sunday.
0: I know we talked a little bit about this the other day, but do we see a little more Dax Hill in some of those other packages, like with with, with those specific plays?
2: I would, I mean, maybe a little bit, but I think if you're going to play the nickel, you're going to play Trey Flowers. Whereas Dax Hill is more of a passing down. They've seemed to uh, keep him on third and ten or more is when he's coming into down. the game. Um, no, well, no. In, in passing, situa- player, yeah, yeah, player right. passing situations, yeah, yeah, right. Passing situations, you're you're seeing Dax Hill. Um, you know, just really a handful of snaps. So when it's anything inside ten yards, I don't think he's played at all this season.
1: Yeah, and I don't know how much they're gonna. I don't know how much you can use a guy like that against a team that runs the ball and runs the ball as effectively as the Falcons do. Uh, just because you're, you're going to want some size up there, so you know, we, we've had this conversation before, and, and Lou has mentioned this, like, you're not going to take Jesse Bates off the field. You're not going to take Vaughn Bell off the field. So basically what you're saying is, okay, we need to run a three-safety set here, right? And when you do that, that's great against passing downs, like Mike was kind of talking about. Don't think it's great against running downs, and un- unless you're talking about, like, a guy, a safety like a Kyle Hamilton, or, or kind of a bigger body that can play in the box. So I, I don't see it for this game. Uh, I don't really see it for Cleveland, uh, for Dax Hill. I don't even think I would see it for a uh, uh, for a Carolina. Sure. To me, this is, you know, I mean, hell, maybe, a very maybe exclu- injuries. very exclusive may- situation. In- yeah, sub-package situations, maybe injuries happen, but... Towards the end of the year, they're going to need him. It's just not going to be right now. When you play Kansas City, when you play Tampa, play, play Buffalo. Buffalo, when you play those teams that are going to do all of the things that they do so well, you're going to need Dax Hill. But right now, he's no, not it.
0: No, absolutely. And again, I'm, I've said this before. It's not a secret. I'm very high on him. I've just been fascinated by just the few snaps he's played. But no, I mean, he is certainly more of a passing secondary player, like you said. And we'll see him way more in that second half home stretch of the season. But... No, most certainly that's uh, something to look at. But I guess kind of to wrap up and put a bow on this, how many points do you think – and I know we get into predictions later in the week, but how many points do you think this defense limits Atlanta to, if you had to kind of guess?
1: Um, you know, judging judging by history, you would probably say 20-ish, 21-ish, just by by the defense. I think, to me, kind of like the points that we were touching on here – it, it, it's a unique week, I think, because mm-hmm. possessions get limited against teams like this. Uh, you know, and the Bengals are going to see a lot of teams like this. Like, over the last couple of weeks, they played the Ravens. They played the Saints. They're going to play the uh, the Browns next week. Like, you're playing teams that, in, like, per, like, DBOA and things like that, that run the ball very, very effectively. So that kind of brings points down. You know, I thought the Ravens played pretty well offensively, and they only scored 19 points. So I, I think, you know, 17 to 20 is fair, you know, maybe 24 or something like that. But I just – I I don't see an offensive explosion coming from Atlanta. And if an offensive explosion does come from Atlanta, oh, boy, this is going to be an interesting podcast on Sunday afternoon. <laughs> um, because well, it a team I that just, hasn't
2: scored more than 30 and hasn't scored – You know, has only scored less than 20 once. So they've kind of have a range. They're averaging around 24 points a game. Um, I I think you you know you win it. You expect if if, you know you expect the Bengals to win, which I think uh, we all do. I think you you see them holding them under 20. Um, They haven't still haven't given up that touchdown in the second half. and this isn't a team that that passes the ball well that's looking for things downfield i think that's all sort of favorable things and especially if you can get them down playing from behind um get them out of their game plan get them out of some of that uh run first looks i i I think you're feeling pretty good about yourselves i say less than 20 just because i think atlanta's you know bad um, yeah not very good they beat beat an okay seattle team they beat cleveland which is not very good in san francisco um you know those are all sort of in that you know i think you talked about that um couple days ago Andrew was sort of the that middle grouping where there's not much you know separating some of these the pit of the eternal uh, screams I think was how these average teams um and 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 I think Atlanta's very much in that sort of average team they have a career backup essentially as their their starting quarterback um and you know you've got Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase on your side so I I just feel like that this is um, a game where the defense even if they give up you know, a lot of rushing yards that they still feel good about. You know, coming out with
0: a W. And like they said, they don't care about stats. They care about how many points you allow. So you allow a lot of yards, no problem. As long as you keep those points down, that's all that's important. But speaking of Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, we'll talk more about them tomorrow and the RPOs that Andrew and Mike have talked about. But before we let you go, folks, once again, the best reminder of the day: Cincinnati Football Insider. Make sure you sign up at cleveland.com/bangles. Click on the blue banner at the top of the page. Or just send the text to area code 513-949-4147. It's four ninety nine a month, but you won't be charged until the end of that trial. Do it if you want to get the best updates before social media from the best Bengals reporters. But once again, for myself, Mike and and Andrew Gillis, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. We'll see you back here tomorrow.